you really, really, really need to be here next Sunday because we're going to wrap up this series, and it may be the most important talk in this entire series. You know that we started this a couple of Sundays ago. If you've missed any, I would go online just to bring you up uh, to date on what we've been talking about. In fact, if you were not here last week, and I can say this because it's the Bible. It's not about me. It's about God's Word. Last week, we talked about healing happens. And if you need some kind of healing in your life, you are not here, I would encourage you to go back and look at last week's uh, message online. Here's what we're going to be talking about. I'm going to jump ahead one week. We're going to be looking next week. This is going to be so important about how that grace happens. And you're going to want to be here for that. Now, during this series, we've been going to this fascinating uh, verse uh, that Paul shares with believers uh, living in Rome. Uh, it's Romans 8.28. This is the third week now, so you're familiar uh, with this verse. The guys are going to put it right up here on the screen, and I want you to look at it with me. And Romans 8.28, let me just walk you through it one time, and then we'll come back and read it together. And we know And remember in this series, we've been talking about, you know, Paul very intently uses this word, no, it's not hope, not wish, not dream, not, uh, you know, have aspirations. And we know, we can know confidently that in all things, and we've been sharing in this series that all kinds of things happen to all kinds of people, right? How many of you know that sometimes great things happen? How many of you know that in your life? How many of you like the great things a lot better than you do the not so great things? But how many of you know that not so great things happen too? And that's life. You know, I mentioned a moment ago that transition is normal. Guess what? Life is normal in the fact that there's good times and there's tough times. That's just life. And a lot of times I run into Christians and they're like, you know what? It's like they're almost like shocked. And they're like, I I can't even understand. I love God. I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying. I'm going to church. I'm doing everything that I know that I need to do. And yet I'm going through this test. I'm going through this trial. I'm going through this struggle. Why is it? And they're like overwhelmed by that. And then oftentimes I will take and I'll point them back to a place in the Bible where it says, when the apostle Peter said, do not be surprised at these strange things, these fiery ordeals that come upon you as though, listen to what he says, as though some strange thing were happening. He's saying, don't consider that a strange thing. He's saying, that's a normal thing. So good times can be normal. Tough times can be normal because all kinds of things happens to all kinds of people. And we know, not think, not wish that all in all things Uh, God works for the good. And we said God is not working just for good things to happen to us, but for good things to happen in us. And we're going to talk about that part of it uh, today a little bit. What's good going on inside of us? Because we're going to be talking about how that spiritual growth happens. And that can happen for all of us. And all things, things that are happening to us, but especially in us, uh, of those who love him. And, And then we've just said, those who love him, but God is also good to those who do not love him. God's good to those who do not want to give him the time of day, who want to ignore him and reject him and abandon him. God, God sends the rain on the just and unjust alike. God causes the sun to rise on those who are good and those who are evil because God is good. How many of you know this? God is good even when people are not. God is God even when people are not acting the way that they should. Things do happen. That is so true. But we're learning together in this series that whether it's good things or even bad things, that God is at work and that we, this is very important now, that we do not have to be at the mercy of our circumstances since our God reigns above our circumstances. 
And today, yeah, we can give God some praise on that. So I'm going to talk to you about a very important topic today, and I want to talk to you about growth, how that growth happens. Now, uh, I want to be candid as I sort of intro us into this talk. I think most every one of us here know what it's like. In fact, most every person that I know uh, has had this experience where they've known frustration and disappointment even in regards to their spiritual growth or actually, we might would say, their lack thereof. You see, some of you are like that. I feel that way so many times in my own life that I want to I grow beyond where I'm at right now. You know, I, I many times journal my prayers to God, and I'll be reading my Bible, and I often write out my prayers because I'm like some of you, if I get on my knees and I pray silently, I think about 18 other things that come into my mind. So I often journal my prayers. I can't tell you the times I've been journaling and I've written down while I was writing out my prayer, I've written out something like this. God, it seems like by now, you ever said something? It seems like by now I shouldn't have this struggle. Anybody wave at me if you ever felt it make me feel a little bit better about myself if you do. It seems like by now I'd be so much stronger Seems like by now, I wouldn't be so much prone to weakness. And we've all felt that way uh, in different areas of our life. Maybe you're like uh, this. You say, you know what? By now, I had hoped that my prayer life would be much more consistent. And I, I had believed that it would be much deeper than it actually is. Some of you may feel this way. By now, I had hoped that I would be less fearful and anxious, but I still find myself, you know, getting worried and, and being stressed out all the time. I really thought that by now I would be much more trusting. I thought that I would be much more courageous than I am. Some of you are like this. Your, your thought is like, because again, we all experience this, you know, frustration and disappointments with our lack of spiritual growth. And some of you may be, you know what, by now, I hope that I would be less prone to cave in to temptations. And I wish that I'd had, the, you know, a stronger ability to say no when I'm confronted with temptation. By now, some of you are saying, I wish that, you know, I would have been more generous with the resources that God has entrusted to me. I wish that I'd made a bigger difference in the world. I wish that I shared my faith with other people more enthusiastically and confidently. I wish that I had a better grasp on and passion for God's word. And all of us know what it's like, friends. I know it, you know it, what it's like to have frustration and disappointment because most of us by now, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to point at the person next to you, but most of us thought that spiritually speaking, instead of being right here, we would at least be right here by now. But how many of you know it's never too late to become the person that God wants us to become? It is not too late for you to become the person that God wants you to be in your life. And I want to take you to a rather unique section of verses. The guys are going to put this on the screen. This is Mark chapter 4. I'm going to speak to this, uh, this passage for just a moment or two, and then I'm going to give you some very practical thoughts concerning uh, spiritual growth and the balance of our time. Now, this is probably one of the passages when you've been doing your devotions, you read and you just kept right on reading. You didn't really stop because you're like, I don't even get this, all right? But let me just bring it out. This is what the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. We're talking about growth today. 
the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. He doesn't know how that's happening. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Now, I'm not going to spend the totality of our time together on that passage because we're going to be looking at some different things. But from this, we see that growth can be quite mysterious and even fascinating at times. This guy that Jesus points out in his parable, how many of you notice, and guys, thank you for keeping up because I want you to notice this. This guy is not in charge of the growth. Do you see this? What does it say? It says, whether he sleeps or gets up. He is not in charge of the growth. I'll give you a parallel, like right now. How many of you know that May, somebody told me this recently, I haven't had a chance to uh, validate it or not, but it's a trustworthy person, that in the month of May, that maybe we had just set a 100-year record for the amount of rainfall in the month of May. How many of you have known this? You do not have to walk outside every morning and speak to your grass to grow. (laughs) Grass, grow today. Maybe you want to get spiritual. Grass, grow today in Jesus' name. Just grow. How many of you know you don't have to do that? How many of you at this point, the grass is growing at a pace that you can't even hardly keep up with? I kid you not. I I mowed my uh, yard yesterday, but I also mowed it on Monday, which I mowed my lawn on the Thursday before that. You know, I'm telling you, I am working on messages and mowing grass. That's all I'm doing these days. I have nothing else to do. But, you know, I don't have to say, you don't have to say, grow. Whether this guy, Jesus said, sleeps or gets up, you know, there's growth. What Jesus also wants us to know about this guy is that this guy does not even fully understand how this growth is occurring. Look at what he says. Jesus says this, he does not know how. See, there's a mystery about spiritual growth. And it's really a collaboration in many respects. See, if God doesn't do his part in spiritual growth, how many of you know you and I are in big, big trouble? But God's going to do his part. See, can I just be real candid, real honest with you? I am never concerned about God doing his part. What worries me, please don't tell anybody. What worries me is sometimes we're not doing our part. God will do his part. But sometimes in this collaborative uh, effort between God and us and us and God, and uh, I want you to just hear what I'm about to say. Even though at times we become frustrated and disappointed with ourselves in matters of spiritual growth, and we all do, and even when it seems that spiritual growth is often difficult to move forward in, or it is challenging for us to understand, I want to be clear on this, and it's what I'm going to talk about in the balance of our time. It is still worth making it our priority and devoting ourselves to it. See, you may be disappointed right now with where you are and where you want to be. You may be frustrated with where you are and where you want to be, but God is not finished with you yet, and God's not finished with me. Dallas Willard, and you're going to see this up on the screen. This is an amazing statement. This is a guy who has written a lot about, he's like a foremost authority on spiritual growth and and, uh, formation. Dallas Willard writes this, and this is true for every one of us in this room. The most important thing about you is not the things that you achieve, it is the person that you become. 
That's really, really important. You'll want to get that down somewhere. That's, I've held on to this statement from the very first time I read it many, many years ago. Uh, in fact, why don't you read it with me this time and just sort of personalize it for yourself. You ready? The most important thing about you is not the things you achieve. It is the person that you become. And I know as you personalize it, it's not, the most important thing about me is not what I'm going to achieve in my life. It's about what I'm going to become. So growth happens, and I want to walk you through some very practical realities that causes it to become possible for you and me. It's not going to take us very long. I can, I can do this in less than two hours. I'm just kidding. I can do this in about, I can name this, no, that's a whole nother. I can name this too. No, I can do this in about 20 minutes. All right, you ready? Wave at me if you're ready. It's going to help you. First of all, spiritual growth, you got to know this out of the, out of the blots, spiritual growth is absolutely, absolutely worth your total commitment. Spiritual growth is absolutely worth your total commitment. You see, this is what I believe with all of my heart, even though you're disappointed and frustrated with yourself many times, as I am with myself. The reality is I believe this about every person in this room, and I don't think it's just because I'm a positive thinker. I don't think it's because I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I think it's what is really accurate concerning your life. I really believe that you want to become more like Jesus. I believe that. If I didn't believe that, uh, if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't want to be here today. To be quite honest with you, if I've, I just thought like, you know what, you're just here uh, because it, it's, it's, it's a way to see a free movie after this service, you know, or uh, if, if, you know, I, I don't know. If that's, then I wouldn't want to be here, and, and you wouldn't be here. The reality is you want to become more like Jesus, and so do I. To see the way that Jesus wants us to see and to think the way that Jesus wants us to think, and to live in the way that Jesus wants us to live. You see, when Jesus walked this earth, he extended to people the very best offer that a person could ever hear. Do you know the best offer that's ever been uttered in the history of people? It is this offer when Jesus would look at people while he was walking the earth, and he would say simply this. He would look at people, and he would say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. And that was the very best offer. And people took that very, very seriously. If Jesus would look at an individual and he would say to that person, I want you to follow me, uh, time and time again, we see this in the New Testament. People would drop their plans, drop their ideas, drop their hobbies, their recreation, their vocation. They'd say, count me in. You see, to many folks, this may seem like an obligation. To many folks, this may seem something that is too overwhelming to attempt. But instead, in Jesus' day, when individuals would hear this offer from Jesus, their thought would be, and this is important for us to realize, their thought would be, if I lose everything, if it means that I lose everything in order to embrace Jesus' offer, I will do it. And I will not only do it, listen now, I will do it joyfully. It is an honor for Jesus to ask me to follow him. And no matter what it's going to cost me, I am all in. Uh, contrarily, if, if a person thought, on the other hand, if I get everything that I want to have, and in the process of that, I don't make any room for God, and God's not a priority in my life, and I lose God, or I lose the opportunity to become the kind of person that God wants me to become, then all the other stuff will not matter at all. In fact, all the other stuff without God is not going to make me happy in the end time. Isn't that true? God wants to be the priority of our life. 
And Jesus often would use these parables. You're going to see one. The guys are about to put up on the screen, Matthew 13. Jesus would use these parables and stories to help people realize just how important this was. I, I took you to this passage not long ago, but I wanted you to come back uh, to it with me. Uh, the kingdom of heaven. This is Jesus again. And uh, how many of you know that when you're the smartest person in the world and you're saying things, people ought to listen to it. And Jesus was the smartest person in the world. This is what Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. To be connected to God, to be grown in God, it's like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. It's like, you know what? Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, whatever I have to do, I want that treasure. Again, Jesus adds to this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, what did he do? He went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. And Jesus is just saying, when you find something that is so important, when you find something that can change your life and grow your life, you're willing to do whatever it takes to experience that. And when Jesus would say to people, follow me, follow me, That was a great honor. That was a great offer. And we read these verses and others like them. And hopefully we're struck by this truth that to know Jesus, because this is what spiritual growth is really all about, that to know Jesus and to love Jesus and to serve Jesus and to be changed by Jesus is absolutely worth our total commitment. Back to Dallas Willard for a moment, and this one is not on the screen. He writes this, a disciple of Jesus, which is what all of us want to become, a disciple of Jesus wants wants to learn everything he has to teach them about life in the kingdom of God and are learning how to become more like him. So I just have to ask you, before we move on to the second practical reality, I just have to ask you, if you are not totally committed to Jesus, what on earth, what on earth have you found that is worth committing yourself to. I mean, if you're not totally, then, then what is it for you? And if it's not Jesus, I would ask you to, to reconsider that. If you say, well, you know what I'm totally committed to? I, I'm, I'm totally committed to my job. Now, how's that going to work out for you 100 years from now? 50 years, 20 years from now. Well, I'm not totally committed to my job. You may say, in fact, my job stinks. I don't even like it. But I am committed to my house, or I'm committed to my possessions, or I'm committed to my hobbies, or I'm committed to advancing my net worth. And I just say, nothing's wrong with those things. Listen, unless those things get in the place of God. Because God wants us to grow. All right? Secondly, you still with me? Wave at me if you're with me. I want you to be sure you get it. Secondly, spiritual growth should be normal instead of the exception in the life of a church. Spiritual growth should be normal instead of the exception in the life of a church. Take a look at something that Paul wrote to believers living in Ephesus. And this is actually, this is actually out of the message uh, translation. So look at, look at what Paul says. Guys are putting it up here. This is what he writes. He said, No prolonged emphases among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. And then he gives us the alternative. God wants us to do what? To grow up. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love. Like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. 
He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that here it is again, that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. Anybody here know that I have grandkids? (laughs) Do you? Must I elaborate? No, I don't have to. You know them better than I do because I talk about them all the time. The youngest of them is Brody. Brody. And uh, Brody, you know, he is, he's just so, he is so cute. He smiles all the time. He's got this million-dollar smile. He's growing up. Most of you know the challenges and complications, the time he spent in uh, the hospital early on. And, uh, well, you can look at him now, and, and you can realize he's not a sick baby anymore. In fact, if I didn't know better because he can't eat it yet, I would think he was eating at Chick-fil-A every morning just like his pawpaw does. He's healthy and he's strong. But, uh, you know, he loves his baby food. You know, you think about a baby, you know, a baby. And have you ever had this experience? I've had it so many times. I, I see a parent pushing a stroller, and I, I love kids. I love being a papa. I love being a dad when my kids were small. It's a little bit different when they were teenagers. But that's another story we'll say. And, uh, you know, to just walk over to a stroller, isn't it the cutest thing? You just, you want to you wanna look in there, and you just see a little little baby just sucking on their bottle. And they're, they're at that stage where they can begin to hold it, and they may take it down, smile. And, you know, that is like so cute. I mean, I love that. I've had that happen hundreds of times. I look, you are so blessed. What a pretty baby. And they're just sucking away on that bottle. Now that is the cutest thing, but I want to tell you what is not cute. If you're 40 years old and you're laying in that little thing and you're sucking on a bottle, nobody's going to look over, see your old bearded self and like, my Lord. I promise you, they're not going to say, that is the cutest thing, sucking on that bottle like that. They're going to say, what is wrong with that man? Shouldn't he have grown up by now? Shouldn't he be eating solid food by now? See, that's what God wants for us spiritually. God, listen, can I say it as nicely as I know how? At some point in your life, you've got to put the bottle down and you've got to grow up spiritually because that is God's plan and purpose for your life. And he'll give you everything you need to make that a reality. But you've got to want it. You've got to want it. And you've got to go after it. And God wants us to grow up and to be healthy. He really does. And did you know that often in the church, among Christians, it is this kind of thinking. What will God allow? This is the thinking oftentimes. It's tragic, but it's true. What will God allow instead of asking, what does God want? How many of you know there's two very different statements? Instead of saying, what does God allow? We ought to be saying, what does God want? Instead of learning and following and growing, sometimes we're asking, what are the minimum requirements of getting into heaven? What is the least that I can do? And that's sad. And it ought not be that way, but often it is. What is the least I can do to make sure that I've got a guaranteed seat in heaven one day? How much bitterness and resentment is permitted? How much greed and lust will God put up with? How much money can I hold on to without God messing with it? How much judgmentalism and self-righteousness will God let slide before I give up my seat in heaven? Paul tells us exactly what God wants. God wants us to grow up. We saw it just a moment ago right here in Ephesians 4, to grow up healthy in God. You still with me? Wave at me. I know you're here. Thirdly, spiritual growth happens best in community with other Christ followers. 
Spiritual growth happens best in community with other Christ followers. I'm just going to deal with these last two really, really quickly. Um, I, I know I'm from the South, but I can speak. I can speak quick when I need to, and you're going to need to listen quick. This, this, there's a guy in church I pastor, and he taught real, real slow. And he... Uh, he was from the deep, I'm from the South, he is from the deep, deep South. Uh, by comparison, and I know that I, you know, if you're from the North, I know I have a Southern accent. I know that I can, this guy, it was, by comparison, it was like I grew up utter North. And he taught so slow, and he wanted to sing in the choir, and he did, and he had a great voice, great guy. But we, we had kidded him, and we said, you can sing in the choir under one condition if we take out every other page in the book, because that's the only way you're going to be able to keep up with the song. You'll only be able to, you know, otherwise you won't be able to keep it. And of course we were kidding him. He got a big laugh out of him. So I'm going to talk really, really quickly. This is what Jesus says. The guys are going to put it in the, on the screen. Matthew 18, 20. Jesus says this, look at it with me. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. As I mentioned a moment ago, Jesus is a pretty smart guy, and all of us would agree. And this is what Jesus knows. He knows that when we gather together, we can encourage each other, and we can caution each other, and we can support each other, and we can challenge each other to grow. I want to make a statement here, and I wish I had more time to elaborate, but I want to get to this fourth and final one. But listen to it. Now, maybe you want to jot it down and think about it later. I want to give it to you, and I want you to really think this through. Authentic growth can be birthed in isolation, but it flourishes in community. Does that make sense? Authentic growth can be birthed in isolation, but it flourishes in community. So if growing spiritually is going to be a priority for you, then you must discover ways to connect with other believers. That's why when we're talking about small groups, it's not just because we want to, we want to, you know, have small groups. It's because we know what happens in the context of small groups. When two or three come together or more come together, smaller groups together in Christ's name, Jesus said, I'm there among them. You know, serving on ministry teams, there are so many different teams, even around our church. When you think about it, I could just go right down the list. Nursery, early childhood, kids ministry, student ministries, uh, those who work in our cafe, those who are greeters, those who are ushers, those who work in the information team, those who are responsible for setup and those who are responsible for teardown and those who play in the, the band and those who serve on the tech team. And, and do you know that we have in our church right now, as far as an ongoing ministry, do you know that we have over 200 people that have an ongoing ministry in our church? And I know what you're thinking. Well, that ought to be enough. You should never need me. But that is not true. I mean, we're always looking for great people to serve in the areas of their giftedness. And when you do that, you know what you're doing? You're not just serving. You're getting to know people. You're building relationships. And that's, that's going to encourage you to grow. Small groups, ministry teams. so important that you keep your kids in church. I've always said this to parents. What kind of message do you send to your kids if you make them go to school, but you tell them you don't have to go to church? You know what you're telling them? You know, you don't, when your kids get up in the morning, they just say, mommy, I don't feel good. I don't feel, daddy, I've got a, I've got a headache. You know, if, if you know it's not legitimate, you don't, and you realize they're just making excuses, you don't say, well, that's all right. That's all right, honey. You don't have to go to school today or tomorrow. You really don't have to go to school at all. Well, you wouldn't say that. 
It's amazing to me at times how motivational we are to get our kids to school, and that's important because their education is important, but what kind of message do we send to our kids if we make them go to school, but we're like haphazard, you know, we're just casual as it relates to church. We're saying, hey, school is much more important than church, otherwise we'd make you go to church too. How many of you know when you're a parent, you can make your kids do stuff? That's not going to cost you anything. I thought that I'd just throw it in. (laughs) Fourthly and lastly, things happen and they provide us with great opportunities to grow. Can I ask you as we wrap up this morning, what do you struggle with most? We all struggle. You know who I worry about the most? Really? I worry the most. And again, you can't tell anybody I said this. I worry the most about the people who say they never struggle. I worry about those kind of people. I worry about the people who are self-righteous. I worry about the people who are always sitting in judgment of other people. Because I've been a Christian a long, long time. And I'm frustrated and disappointed at times because I'm like you. I want to be here in times I feel here. And you ever feel like this? I feel like I take a step or two and then I take a step back and I take a step or two. And I'm like, come on now. And then I'm back to my journal. God, I thought that by now. So what are you struggling with? Is it fear? Is it patience? Are you like, God, I want patience, and I'm so tired of waiting for it. (laughs) Is it a bad attitude? Do you struggle with pride? Not loving the way you know God wants you to love? Are you struggling with greed? Is it lust? Is it jealousy? Is it anger? Did you know that the tests and the trials that come our way actually provide us with favorable conditions for spiritual growth? Can I just tell you this? If everything is always good in your life, you're not going to grow the way that God wants you to grow. You're just not. I'm just telling you, you're not going to grow. If things are always great in your life, you know what? You're not going to grow. Because do you have this tendency to, when everything is going like almost perfect in my life, I don't feel as desperate for God as I do when I'm faced with a struggle. And there's something about when we're walking through a test. How many of you have been there before? You've walked through a test or a challenge and it's put you on your knees and you've gotten more and more serious. See, many people have been surveyed on this over the years and they talk about what was the greatest catalyst to their spiritual growth. It was not when everything was going great in their life. It was when they went through a challenge or a test and they depended and trusted on God. And this is straight out of the Bible. In fact, the guys are going to put a couple of verses up on the screen and I want you to take a look. This is what the Bible says about this, that these things make favorable conditions for us to grow. And I know it looks like a phone now, but it's really, it's, it's really coming up. Dear brothers and sisters, look at this now. When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Why? For you know that when your faith is tested, and it will be, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, friends, I'm not telling you to run out of this place today. And before you leave the parking lot, get in your car, bow your heads, and pray that God's going to bring the greatest test and trial that you've ever experienced. I don't plan on doing that. I'm not going to sit in the parking lot after the next service and before I put my car in gear, say, God, I've not had a really big challenge in a while. Why don't you send me the biggest one I've ever had? I'm not going to do that because I'm like you. I want things to go well, but I'm smart enough to know 
you're going to face some troubles. You're going to face some trials, and so am I. Instead of dreading them, why don't we pray and ask God to help us to grow through them? Now, I'm just about done, but this is going to help some of you. I want to leave you with this final thought. I want to encourage you as we wrap up, and again, you've got to be here. Next week is so important. It's a final talk in that you've got to be here. We're going to talk about how grace happens. It may be the most important message in this entire series. But I want to leave you with this final thought in regards to spiritual growth. Be both passionate and patient concerning your spiritual growth. See, a lot of times, when I say patient, I'm not saying passive. You don't want to be passive. How many of you know there's a difference between passivity and being patient? Be passionate about wanting to grow, but be patient about it, or you'll just get frustrated, and you'll be like, what's the youth? One of the things you can look back over at your life and see, some of you, I can do this. I, I, I mentioned this now three or four times intentionally. I'm like you. I get frustrated with myself and disappointed with myself. Spiritually, I want to be here. And I'm like, I ought to be here. By now, I should be here. But why am I here? But you know, the reality is when I look back, when I first became a Christian, let me tell you where that is. That's not right here. That's way, way now because I've been a Christian a long time. I've been a Christian, can you believe this, since I was 15. For the last 10 years, I've been a Christian. It's been a wonderful thing. I know, life's been tough for me. You can see it in me. Uh, but I look, where, I look where I started. I look where I started, and I'm way down the road. And I'm so glad that I've been patient. I'm so glad I haven't given up. There's a great story I ran across some time ago, and I brought it with me today. It's a missionary by the name of Frank Lobbett. And this is what it says. I'll just read it to you and we'll wrap up. Missionary Frank Lobbock preached the gospel to a tribe, faraway tribe, that had a long, think about this now, a long history of violence. The chief, who was like the kingpin of violence, was so moved by Lobbock's presentation of the gospel that he accepted Christ right on the spot. He then turned to Lobbock in gratitude and out of gratitude. This is what he asked the missionary. He said, this is so wonderful receiving Jesus. And then he looked at him. Who do you want me to kill for you? That was his starting point. All he knew was violence. Who do you want? I'm so, I feel so grateful that you shared the message. But that's all. And how many of you know he needed to grow beyond that? And he did. And so can we. Would you stand with me? And the guys are going to put the last verse up on the screen. And once you get to your feet, we're going to read it together. And then we're going to pray. Here it is. Galatians 6, 9. I believe it is. I want you to read this with me, all of us together. You ready? Here it is. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You get frustrated with yourself? Sure you do. You get disappointed about where you want to be and where you're, sure you do. Don't give up. God's not through with you yet. God's got a good plan. He really does. And he's going to bring it to pass. Be passionate. Keep moving forward. But be patient because spiritual growth is incremental. You don't get from here to here overnight. It's steps and becoming more and more like Jesus. So, Father, that's what all of us want. We want to grow. I know every person here feels that way. We want to become more like Jesus. We really do. We want to think like Jesus. We want to live like Jesus. We want to grow. We thank you, God, that all of us have a starting point. But you're not going to leave us where we, where we were. 
You're going to help us to become more and more like you. God, thank you that growth is one of those things that's mysterious and supernatural. There's at times when you're at work and we don't even realize that you're at work. Just like when you make the grass grow because you send rain, that you are growing in our life. You will always do your part and help us, God, to cooperate with you and do ours. We ask you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise before we're done. I love you, everybody. See you back here next Sunday.